Welcome to Face to Face, and today we're going to talk about uh, literature, we're going to talk about book. I'm with Lucas Di Matteo, and uh, uh, he has a new book, and so I welcome, uh, Luca, welcome to Face to Face. Hope Thank you, you David. Doing well and Thank you, David. Glad to be here. How are, how are you? Good, good. So, so what, um, how did you, uh, you want to introduce our uh, audience, how did you end up writing? Well, actually, yeah, writing, I've always written. Um, I wrote for, I had a website for a while that I was writing for with my wife and uh, always wrote short stories. Matter of fact, I actually started a novel almost 40 years ago. Oh, wow. Uh, for those people who can remember what a floppy disk is, yeah, it's yeah, a floppy disk somewhere in the world. I have no idea where it is, but it was not going to be able to find the, the computer to read it. <laughs> yes, yes. Whenever computers came out with floppy disks. Uh -huh. But anyway, um, I was a medical doctor for uh, 25 years. February of 2018, I hurt my back badly and had to retire. And so my writing career started from there. I started picking up um, a dream that I had about writing this novel um, about this nurse who worked in a luxury nursing home and how she starts to find out that the patients are being murdered or that they're dying off too quickly. And the more she investigates, the more she finds out that she's being framed. Everything points to her. The storylines uh, in the book are, there's three storylines and they always twist and turn together. But as far as me, Greenhaven for me was a savior. It kept my sanity. I went from being very active. I played golf, I played tennis, um, and, uh, and I played basketball. And all of a sudden I couldn't do anything. And I was caught up, my mind needed to get out, my mind needed to release. And as Greenhaven started to develop, it gave me that outlet. and saved my sanity so it became a therapy for you to to get out of your situation more or less yes um it basically you know when when you're in that kind of situation you have two choices uh -huh. one is to go further down the proverbial rabbit hole or another way is to find the strength to dig yourself out and i've never been one to go down the rabbit hole all the way and i don't plan to now um so i had to find some way to come back from where I was going to be and what my new situation was going to be like. And being an author was something that was always in the back of my mind. And now I get to do that. And, uh, and that's where Greenhaven came along. Um, the story, the storylines kind of wrote themselves. And it was like, I was dick being, I was, I was dictating the stories as they were telling me, but that's what helped me. It gave me time after my surgery to heal and there were times where I couldn't get out of bed and I would sit there and I would write and scribble on a pad for 15 minutes at a time and then have to take some pain medication and go to sleep, then come back to it. And I'd read it the next day and find out that half of it was gibberish and have to rewrite it again. Wow. Um, but that's, that's really my transition from being the medical doctor, spending 25 years in the field. Uh, I was a podiatrist. I spent a lot of times in nursing homes. And they say to try and write what you know. And so that's why the story takes place where it takes place. It's not a it's it's not a knock or anything like that on any of the nursing homes. Actually, the the 
the dozen or so that I've been in were all wonderful. Um, so the nursing home story, before we go to your side, uh, in New York City, it's a big issue with our governor and the counting of people who die from the COVID and so on and so forth. So um, it, it's, it was uh, when I, where I read your, uh, your introduction, I was like, oh, this is like a, some kind of news uh, um, of the same issue. And then so maybe you can explain, because I know you have a very uh, uh, interesting point of view on, on the nursing counting story in, in, in New York. Well, I, I do, um, and I should I should tell you that I wrote the story in two thousand, started writing it in two thousand eighteen, so it was well before any of COVID started. Yeah, absolutely. As far as, far as the um, the nursing home situation in New York, I've done some reading on it and stuff like that. I find it difficult how how your mayor could actually know the numbers. Most people understand that you don't really die from COVID, you die from complications of COVID. Yep. You know, lung, lung problems, heart problems, whatever it may be. Um, the infection, your T cells move ahead quickly. Yep. Uh, and I can see that, you know, the, the home miscounting and stuff like that. But that, that's, if you're talking about the point of, 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 you know, one person being in trouble for that, I, I think it's more like a perfect storm. And I think that the reporting gets twisted and turned and the, the the man at the top is ultimately responsible, but I'm not sure he's going to the actual nursing homes and counting who has passed away from. I'm not sure not. <laughs> that's, that's very clear. <laughs> so I don't know if he can be totally to blame for it. Yeah. That we know then Como doesn't spend his day doing to the nursing home counting the people. That's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> I think he's got a little more important things to do right yeah, now. Exactly, I hope so. So to go back to your uh, to your uh, to your book, so it's it's a story. It's uh, inside the nursing home, and 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 tell us more. Well, it's it takes uh, takes place in and around this nursing home home called Greenhaven. The director of nursing, Kathy Arden, finds out that patients are starting to pass away too quickly, and the the number is going up, and she's trying to figure out why. As she starts to dig into it, she starts to find out that everything starts pointing to her. The story is a mystery, but there's also humor in it. She is, she lives alone, she's single, and she likes to watch detective stories. So she's using the things she's learned in her detective stories that she watches to help her solve this mystery. And so every once in a while, she'll be like, okay, this is what I need to do because this is what happened on television. And it either works for her or fails drastically. And the the storyline for her, she's the main character, is about her. Something happens to her in the beginning of her career where she was supposed to be vibrant and wanting to change the world through nursing. And something happens and she sticks her head in the sand. And now she's forced to come out of that. She's forced to, to stand up for herself and find out what's going on or she could end up in prison. Wow. So, so, but the, the, you use, you use a nursing because you know the place, because you, you have experience with that or it's come from somewhere else? No, no. I, I use the nursing home um, setting because I am used to that. Like I said, I spent 25 years in and out of nursing homes um, treating patients. The, the premise isn't about the pay, uh, the nursing homes and poor care. In actuality, there's an underlying premise um, there's a line in the book that um, that Greenhaven is the place for the rich and the forgotten. 
Mm -hmm. the, the underlying premise but that behind that is, and this doesn't happen in all the cases, so I don't want this to make a, I don't want to make a generality of it. But what happens is, as, as people go into nursing homes, their families come to visit them. And as time goes on, and maybe the people get, the residents in the nursing home get a little more ill, maybe they have Alzheimer's or something like that, or maybe it's through guilt of putting them there. I don't know the reasoning, but they get less and less visitors as time goes on. And, and that's not a generality. That's just in some of the cases I've seen. I know through my experience that there's been patients in nursing homes that I might go into a nursing home once every other week. And if I see this patient, I might be the only outside patient other than the staff that they get visited from, okay, in maybe yeah. a two or three or four week time span. Wow. And, and it's not, it's not, I don't want to profess this to be a bad thing. It just is. Yeah, yeah. People get busy. Their lives, they have children or whatever might be going on. Maybe in, like now in COVID, okay, that's even more. They can bring the disease into the building. So yeah, yeah. these these residents now are basically not able to see their families. Yeah, they're locked down, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You wanted to read uh, a part of... Um, oh, okay. sure, sure. So I, I told you that there was um, a couple of storylines. So the section I'm going to read now uh, has to do with the main character, Kathy. And she suspects that her boss, her administrator, the administrator of the building, Kyle, is uh, responsible for the murders. Kyle is all of a sudden going away for the next two days and he's leaving her in charge. And Kyle's got this very big ego and he and Kathy have this very hateful relationship because whatever went wrong, I don't want to tell you what it was. You'll have to read the book for that. Affected Kyle very badly in the corporation's eye. And he has not been given advances. He's not been allowed to move up in the company. And so he blames her. So at every chance he gets, he tries to put her down for it in uh -huh. some way and treats her very poorly. So he's leaving now for the next two days. And he wants her to sit at his office, in his office in the front of the building, so that it looks like someone in charge is there. And so this is where this picks up now that she's going to sit there, but now she suspects him. So she's got to find out why he's doing this or why she believes he's doing it. Kathy arrived at Kyle's office much earlier than she had expected. She couldn't help herself. The waiting seemed endless. <clears throat> she pointed out, she pulled out the sticky note with the passwords making sure no one was looking through the glass and thin door and then and then booted up the administrator's computer the morning shift nurses were due to arrive at seven they'd be getting their their updates from the nursing staff the cnas would be occupied with getting the residents ready for breakfast arriving early kathy had some quiet uninterrupted time before she had to start her own day she stared at both passwords and couldn't get it couldn't get her mind off the second one. What are you protecting? What are you up to, Kyle? It got the better of her. She glanced over the, the desktop icons, looking for anything that didn't appear work-related. There was nothing. She, she checked the documents files and still nothing out of the ordinary. She hit the icon on the left of the, of the screen again to pull up the menu. Kathy was about to, about to press the search button when a knock on the door startled her. She looked away from the, from the monitor, causing her, causing her to hit the shutdown command accidentally. 
She panicked as the computer continued to shut down. Kathy waved the gentleman in, trying to act like nothing was going on. Kathy didn't didn't recognize him. And I'm not going to read you anymore, but she's in the middle of trying to find out what's going on and why he suddenly left for two days for no reason. And in the midst of doing that, she finds two passwords um, that are belong to his computer. It wasn't a secret. Kyra couldn't remember his password, so he'd write them on the bottom of his blotter on his desk. But there were two this time. And so she decided to go in and look at the second one. And in the midst of doing it, okay, someone knocked on the door. Now she's got to figure out how to undo what she's done before the boss comes back and everybody else starts coming in. And so she's this trying to be this super sleuth detective, but she bumbles her way from time to time. Um, it's it's kind of humorous at times, but the story is, is truly a mystery. Um, there's three storylines that run through this through the book that twist and turn and, co- and come together in the last third of the book. Um, but I'm not going to tell you any more about it. <laughs> no, no. So, so how did you uh, first? Is how did your first book? No, this is my first book. Yes. How did you get published? How do you get a publisher? It's uh, really a challenging story to get a publisher these days. It's a it's a very difficult time. I went. There, there are three types of publishing right now. There's self-publishing, which most people know about. There's traditional publishing where you get an agent and then an agent goes to one of the five major publishing houses. And then there's now the in-between, which is called the indie or hybrid publisher. Uh-huh. That's the route I went. Okay. Uh, I use Mascot Books, uh, which did a very fine job. Uh, you know, I, I have no complaints with them. They, they're, they're great. Um, but as, as an author, That's one of the difficult parts. I found the writing to be easy. Yeah. I found the publishing to be the hard part. That's true. That's very, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very long time sending out agent letters and trying to find the right agent to match with. It's very difficult. So Now, I read somewhere you, it took you like four months to write to to write the book, but it took you a year to get it distributed. Correct. Yeah. Absolutely correct. And in that there was a lot of of, of mistakes. And a lot of learning. If you're a first-time author, um, find find a way to hook up with someone who's done it before and, and pick their brain. I was lucky. I had a fellow author who I met by chance uh, by the name of Teresa Makowitz, who had been going through uh, mascot publishing and had helped me do that. Um, and I would I would offer my help to those who need it too because it's it's not easy. It's a, it's a difficult path. No, I was surprised when you showed me the book like this. I'm like, wow, it's published. It's a published book. It's it's really challenging. So well, I what, have to I have to stop you there for a minute, David. The the cover, okay, was of Greenhaven was designed by my wife, Laura. Uh, she's an architect, and um, she's fantastic um, with with her vision and and the cover was was her design. Uh, I can't take responsibility credit for that. Yeah, yeah, no, no, of course. So, what's what's going to be um, what's going to be next for you? Are you planning to go to keep going, or, or what? What is? Yes, I'm going. I'm going to keep going. I'm actually, I have um, two stories. One already done, and one I'm working on. And uh, one is the the second story that is done is called Standards of Care. And it is another another medically based story about a, a young doctor who opens up a practice in a low income area, and excuse me, and finds out 
that the patient, uh, her patients either have to choose between their medications and treatment or feeding their family. So she does things in her office to try and help them. And the government puts her on trial for it. Wow. Much like Green Haven, uh, where the where Green Haven is the nursing home as, as the background, the trial itself is the background. It, the it could be like a true story because I know in some places uh, I, I, people were distributing food to homeless and they were arrested because of uh, street uh, whenever. And then I mean it it's um, it was something on on that line. Uh, similar, yes, but she's she's just doing she does things in her office to try and help her patients and and it, it works but it works too well and, and the government catches wind of it and so they they find a way to put her on trial and the story is about her and the people around her uh the trial is again just the backdrop and and it's um interesting in that story in when i was writing the characters that an inanimate object a, a, a structure in the in the in the story became a character and I had never faced that before, but it, it gained a life of its own. So that that book called Standards of Care, I'm looking to um, maybe have an, an agent and go traditionally. And then I'm writing my first period piece right now, which is called Lunchtime PI. And it's about a woman who is a who works for a private investigator who's not too smart, and he doesn't pay her for her lunch periods, her lunch breaks. So she goes out on her lunch break. He gets this case he's never going to solve, and like she goes out on her lunchtime and she starts to try to solve it. And it's been it's been a very funny case, a very funny book to write. I can imagine. Excuse me. See, I can imagine it's a very funny story. It so is. It's hilarious. I, I'm laughing as I write it, and again much like Greenhaven, much like standards of care, I feel like I'm just dic being the, just being the person dictating. I'm writing it down rather, the transcriber. So th this is my next question to, to close a little bit. It, it's, it looked like you, you have uh, uh, for 25 years or so of working, doing something else. You have compressed all your ideas and then now you're just taking a piece of paper and you put them down in, in four months and you write a book. Well, I don't know if these other ones are going to have taken four months. Greenhaven <laughs> did, but the other ones seem to be stretching a little bit longer. Okay. Um, but yes, it's it's a, a lot of that is just coming to me, and I don't know if it's just my experiences or something else. But uh, as long as I can keep doing it, I'm going to keep trying. Right. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was really, and good luck with this book, the next one, and then the next one. I hope we're going to be able to, to, uh, to talk again for, uh, for your, um, your next uh, uh, publishing. I would love to come back. Thank you very much, David. That was your show face to face and keep with watching your news on presenza.com. And we hope to hear and see you very soon. Thank you very much.